Welcome to a very special edition of the Cardinal Zone podcast. Uh, this edition of the Cardinal Zone, we're going to be taking a look at the uh, upcoming MLB season. Joining me today are a couple of associate reporters for MLB.com this upcoming summer. We have Jack Bear, former sports editor at the Daily Cardinal, who will be working with the Dodgers this summer. And then uh, Kurt Hogue, who is currently uh, works for the Bucky's Fifth Quarter, where he uh, covers the men's Wisconsin men's basketball team. Occasionally writes recaps and tweets and haikus, and we'll be working for the Milwaukee Brewers this summer. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. Happy to be here, Zach. Thanks for having me. Certainly. Uh, we'll just start off going by division by division. We'll start with the AL East. Uh, what did you guys think of? Who had the best off season? Who do you think is going to do particularly well this year? Um, I'm just going to start by saying I'm pretty high on where the Red Sox are right now. Uh, they had a pretty disappointing year last year, you know, thanks to several things. But uh, they had David Price, which is a win in itself, or not just a win, it's five wins in itself. And then they have Hanley Ramirez moving to first base, so they get to have the good portion of not having Hanley Ramirez left fielder. And I just think, you know, they have so much young talent that they'll be able to develop and improve. Like, they have room for improvement. And that's just what I really like with them. They they got good young players, and that's you know kind of really good in baseball nowadays. Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of the Red Sox. They have a lot of young talent, and like guys like Mookie Betts, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., guys like that that are going to make play a big role. I mean, the AL East is a big toss-up right now. You got every team in that division thinking, every team in the American League thinks that they can compete. Um, if I had to go out and pick one right now, I would. I'd be, I'd be stuck between the Blue Jays and probably the Red Sox, but I'd probably go to Boston as well. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I really like the Blue Jays rotation. Um, it's pretty thin after Stroman. Like, they, they gave J.A. Hat $40 million, which is just something. And now, then, They're banking on a lot from Hap and Estrada, which isn't – I mean, Estrada worked out well for them last year, but it's – I don't know if that's really the route you want to go, but yeah. their offense will make up for it, so – and I just want to say something real quick about the Yankees and apparently like the Super Bowl pen that they've assembled between Araldus Chapman, Dallin Batantes, and Andrew Miller. And yeah, those might those might be the three best relievers in Major League Baseball. You can make the argument they they led all three of them were on the top of the league in strikeouts per nine last year. But the problem is there's just not room for improvement in that bullpen as far as like going from 2015 to 2016 because that team was. 65 and two when leading after uh, six innings last year. So yeah, Aral Chapman makes their bullpen better, but it's just it's like it makes their bullpen better relative to what it was in 2016, not what it was in 2015. So I just I see that as being the Yankees' big splash, and if it doesn't really help them this year as much as you think, I just I don't really see it with those guys. So you think it's a case where maybe they didn't improve where they needed to? Yeah, I think they have a lot of problems, and the bullpen was their, not one of them. Their, their defense is going to be uh issue when you got Carlos Beltran out there yeah. every day. Yeah, Mark Teixeira is probably not doing so hot right now. It's, it's uh, It could be rough. What about the Orioles and the Rays? Any, any thoughts on them or chances of them winning the AL East? Um, with the Rays, I like their pitching depth. Um, they've got a good track record of, you know, sewing together somehow a good lineup. I would say the Orioles are just, they're screwed. Um, I mean, it wasn't just because Dexter Fowler reneged or abandoned them or, you know, whatever happened there, but they are going to probably lose Manny Machado in three years. 
they don't have enough financial um, enough resources or an owner willing to you know spend enough to sort of sustain that and their farm systems just it's kind of been a disaster the last few years especially in pitching uh, prospects you know Dylan Bundy was a top five prospect and he might never reach the majors and you've just got a lot more guys yeah with the Orioles I mean they went they went in all in this year again with resigning Chris Davis going out and getting Giovanni Gallardo so getting Darren O'Day as well I mean if if it doesn't work out for them this year or next year, it might be – it could get bad in Baltimore. So. Yeah, you say they went all in. I just, it feels like they went all in on not like a straight or a flush, but on like a pair of eights. Yeah, they're, it seems like they're hoping to somehow sneak into the playoffs in that division with the guys that they already had. Yeah, I mean, you know, credit to them. This team's probably better than the 2012 team that made the playoffs. So, you know, maybe the Oriole Devil Magic, which is, you know, the subsidiary of Cardinals Devil's Magic Incorporated, won't show up. But it, yeah. it's kind of hard to see with this division. Uh, so both of you like the Red Sox. Kurt also could see the Blue Jays win the AL East. We'll move on to the division that, I, to me, is the most interesting in baseball this year, the AL Central. Of course, you have the Royals uh, defending World Series champions, but there's plenty of uncertainty there. And it just seems like a division where you can almost see anybody winning it. What are you guys' thoughts on the Central? Go ahead, Jack. Uh, I'll say with the Central, the Royals were widely projected to be, like, below 500 last year. Mm-hmm. And then they won the World Series. And now, most notably, the baseball prospectuses, Pakoda, they are widely projected to be five, under 500 this year. And that just kind of proved that these systems don't really gauge defense all that well. Because, you know, the Royals, maybe not far away, but they're definitely one of the best defensive teams in baseball. And if the new sabermetric movement has a weakness, it's identifying good defense. So it, I think the like we just got to say the Royals are going to win this until we have a very good reason why they aren't going to. And they brought too much, they bring back too much talent for, to have even close to a good reason to say that they're not going to, they shouldn't be the favorite. I will say, though, I... I do like what Cleveland's got going on. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they, I think they have the deepest rotation in the American League. Five really good starters, headlined by one of the best in Cleveland. And the their issue, though, would be uh, scoring runs on offense. Maybe without Michael Bramley for a little bit. and um, So they could have some offensive issues. I think with the Twins, um, just last year, they, they won 83 games. Um, but I, they, for a while, they were, they came back hard enough a little bit. I mean, they were outscored for most of the season. There was one time where they were like 15, 10 to 15 games over 500, and they've been outscored. So I think with a lot of their young count, they have upside. I don't think they're going to hit it this year, especially with the pitching staff. So, I mean, unless the Royals give us a reason to not pick them, you know, it, it, it's tough to go against that team that returns most of what I had last year. Yeah, and to say something about the other two teams in that division, um, the Chicago White Sox kind of infuriate me because they've got some really good guys. You know, Chris Dale, Jose Quintana, um, not Avisel Garcia, Adam Eden, uh, Jose Bray. Yeah, that team should compete, but they just they don't really seem all that committed to fixing their holes because Avisel Garcia, he, I'm sorry, but he's not a starting right fielder, and they could have, like, Gilman Cespedes seemed pretty open to taking the discounts relative to, I guess, what he and his agent thought they should get. They didn't even, they didn't even call him. And it just, 
it, I feel like they should be so much better than where they are. And then the Tigers uh, feel like this is what happens when a window closes. They've got, like, the GDP of three small nations committed to Miguel Cabrera and Justin Verlander. Um, they had Justin Upton and Jordan Zerman, and that's great, but this was a team that was well below 500 last year, and those guys maybe had, like, three wins apiece. And meanwhile, a lot of guys who are relying on get older. You know, Victor Martinez going back to an OPS uh, – plus 700 would be great, but it's just it kind of feels like we're watching this window close very quickly, and that's kind of what the Tigers were in for when they spent like they did over the last four or five years. And even if that window is closing, they, the Tigers are, are still, they seem to be just hanging on to whatever they can get. Oh, yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, Jay has the few coaches that should have actually Cleveland pegged to win the most games in the American League at 92. <laughs> so, well, any yeah. thoughts on the Twins from either of you? In particular, I mean, they overachieved a bit. Like yeah. Well, I think, I think Kurt covered that. They were yeah. they were good last year, but a lot of that seemed fluky, and they have a really good farm system, but that's just, like, you. it feels like they're, that farm system isn't ready to make them better this year or make them to where I, they want to be. Yeah, I think they're a year or two. I don't think they're going to go Houston Astros. I mean, they won more games than the Astros did two years ago, but I don't think they're going to make that leap this year, especially with the pitching staff and the bullpen that yeah. they have. Yeah, having, like, maybe two above-average stars would help. Maybe if we need to make sure Byron Buxton can hit above 250 in the majors. Maybe we have to make make sure Miguel Sano can do the same thing. There's just a lot of yeah. question marks that remain. With a lot, a lot of questions there. Yeah. Right, moving on to the AL West, where last year the Rangers pretty much came out of nowhere and won the division after a really bad start. Uh, the Astros, of course, finally broke through with all their young talent and grabbed a wild-card spot. Uh, what do you guys expect out of this division? Uh, I'll say I like the Astros uh, for pretty similar reasons for why I like the Red Sox. They have a lot. They were good last. Or, well, no, the Red Sox weren't good last. The Astros were good last year, and they have a lot of young talent with a lot of room to grow. And yeah, I think Carlos Correa. You can make a pretty good argument for him. Him as a good MVP candidate this year. And look around the rest of the division. It there. There's just some. They're teams you're afraid of, but I feel like when it comes down to it, the Astros are pretty firmly the favorite right now. I don't sleep on the Seattle Mariners, who slept on us last year after they were a wide pick to win that division. Um, they went out and they got Adam Lind. Uh, they upgraded at left field with Molly Aoki. Uh, they should get some better play from Robinson Cano this year. Pico really likes him. Yeah, they got Seth Smith, um, too, who I'm a fan of. Yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, Martin, Lloyd Jones, Martin, Seth Smith, so they got, they got a, a decent defensive outfield, and then their starting rotation also looks good with Isaac King, Felix, and uh, Iwakuma, and then also you've got Paxton at the back there, and then Walker, so I yeah, mean, they, they made a fair amount of upgrades. Their bullpen looks better, so... They they might pose the best threat to the upstart Astros. Yeah, that's true, and it's just it's always kind of weird uh, saying the A's don't really have a chance because you know in the past they've always you know taken two quarters and somehow ended up with a dollar at some positions. But it's it's this is harder. It's harder to see them competing this year than pretty much any in years past. That like Josh Donald trade already looks beyond brutal. I think they just DFA'd a guy they got back. Um, they flipped another guy to I don't remember where. It wasn't a real player. It's just it, it's 
Oh, and they gave up uh, Brett Laurie to the White Sox. So it's, that's just kind of the shadow that hangs over the season. Um, and then the Rangers could also be good again. They have a really good farm system. So, you know, maybe not this year. It could be a twin situation where they're going to just be, you know, damn good next year. Yeah, I don't want to count the A's out. Um, they, the odds are surely against them, but, I mean, they've got a lot of guys who seem to fit the mold of the classic A's player. I mean, they got Chris Hayes from the Brewers, Billy Burns, really good in center field. And then, I mean, Sonny Gray, when he's, he's at the top of your rotation, you know. Yeah, this is the American League. You know, every team is can can be competitive, yeah. unlike, you know. Unlike the National League, where you've got six to seven teams that are yeah, you got not think, Yeah, you can name seven teams, and there, there's probably a 99% chance that the three division winners are going to be in there. It, it's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. I want to get you guys' thoughts on the situation the Angels have going on. They pretty much have a, a barren farm system right now. Oh, beyond a, barren. And a, and a manager in Mike Socia, who almost seems like the owner answers to him. So what do you think about what's going on with the Angels right now? Uh, they've got Mike Trout, so good for them. Um, there's not a lot of good for them outside of that. Uh, well, they've got Garrett Richards, who's also a pretty great pitcher. Um, Jared Weaver used to be good, and now he threw 83 miles per hour in spring training today, so probably not so good this year. Um, yeah, and it's just too bad. It's too bad that Mike Trout is uh, there. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, they, they also went out and got, they went out and got Anderson Simmons, which gives them a, a better chance this year. They trade for him, but they also trade away very little of what they had last in that system. Yeah, and just to be clear, this isn't a bad farm system. Uh, Keith Law has been doing farm system rankings for eight years now, and Keith Law is very, very smart at baseball. And he said two yeah. things that really caught my eye. One, he said this is far and away the worst he's ever seen. And B, um, he said that this farm system is so bad that the words trade Mike Trout might actually be like, a real conversation in a few years. I was actually just—I oh, was actually just about to ask uh, you guys' thoughts on that. Given where their farm system is right now, do you think that's something they should entertain the next couple of years? Is trading Mike Trout because obviously they could get an enormous haul of prospects on them. Um, maybe in three years, if they're like a seventy-win team, mm -hmm. then maybe you talk about. It, but it cannot happen now. It probably can't okay. happen next year because the thing about trading Mike Trout—you're not going to get fair value. This is the best player in baseball. He's under contract for like five years at a about $150 million, which is, you know, a steal for him, you, you just don't do that. You don't trade away the franchise player unless you're absolutely sure that he's not going to see a championship with you. Yeah, I think if it doesn't work out this year or, or next year, and it only looks like it's going to get worse, then you consider trading Mike Trout, who might end up being the greatest player of our generation and one of the greatest of all time. So. Yeah. And that's a lot to give up, even if you're getting, even if you know exactly what you're getting in return. Yeah, I remember SB Nation um, when this talk came around. They mentioned, I uh, think Grant Brisby t said, "Okay, let's see if the Angels will take a trade for the entire San Francisco Giants infield, which is incidentally probably the best infield in baseball." And it turned out that it probably wasn't even close. That the Angels, the Angels shouldn't do that. That's incredible. Uh, Okay, so we'll move over to the National League now and start off with the NL East, where it seems like the Mets are probably the clear favorite. And Jack, maybe you have differing opinions on that. <laughs> but uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the NL East? Um, 
the Mets won last year. The Nationals did not, even though they were projected to be, you know, the best team in baseball, the best rotation since Halliday, uh, Camels, Cliffley, you know, destroyed everything in 2011. And then a lot of went wrong for the Nationals, and then everything went right for the Mets. And I just, I'm not going to say I think the Nationals are going to win this, but I think it's, like, you can't say that the 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 Mets are the clear favorites because the Mets do have issues. I mean, they don't, I think they only won 89 last year. 90, but I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, like that. yeah, it's not like they, you know, established themselves as one of the great teams in baseball uh, last year. They won a pr- probably the weakest division in baseball. And then they, you know, they the MLB playoffs where it's just a crapshoot. Yeah. I think that, I mean, both these teams have a very good chance of making playoffs, particularly the Mets have a better chance just because of everything they bring back in that young pitching staff they have. But, I mean, when you have a division with two teams that are clearly rebuilding with the Phillies and the Braves, then you have the Marlins, who nobody knows what, no one ever knows what they're doing exactly with Loria down there. Yeah, the Marlins so live in their own little world with a different economy. Yeah. It's the Marlins, dogs no, walk no one, people. No one, no one goes to their yeah. games. So... They'll win, they won't win 80 games most likely. So you've got three quarters of your uh, of your division games against those three teams. Yeah, the, that's much more favorable than say playing in the National League. Well, we'll, well, we'll use the West for this one. <laughs> where you've got where you're playing against the Dodgers and the Giants and uh, Diamondbacks. So yeah, and it, like the Padres and Rockies, they're not good, but they're at least frisky. Whereas the Phillies and Braves this year are already pretty dead and buried. Um, yeah. I do want to go back to the Mets real quick, though, and talk about Ioannis Cespedes. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so Cespedes was, you know, the hottest player in baseball probably in September and August, you know, kind of a cult hero for all the Mets fans. But he, I'm just not comfortable with him as an everyday center fielder right now. So, And his contract is basically set up so, you know, unless he really shits the bed this year, it's going to be a one-year $27 million. And I'm just not sure that, like, you want Cespedes as an everyday center fielder and playing like he has in his career instead of just a hot streak is going to be worth all that much. Like To be clear, I think he's a great player. Or maybe not great, but good. It's just I feel like a lot of the confidence in the Mets right now is thinking that you want Cespedes is going to walk in at 2016 and hit 600, or slug 600. If he hits 600, yeah, that would be, be neat. They, they definitely lost something defensively what put by re-signing him and putting him in center field. Like He's not a very good defensive center fielder. He has a great arm. Yeah, but he doesn't have the great first step, doesn't have the range. Yeah, he's six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds ish. That's pretty big. But he, he just adds a validity to that lineup that it was just missing without him. Yeah. So certainly then at least is a it'll come down to the Mets or Nationals, anything else would be rather shocking. We'll circle back to the NL Central for the last vision, but for now we'll go to the NL West. Uh Jack, you'll be covering the Dodgers this year. What are your thoughts on them? Uh, well, I thought about this before I got the Dodgers beat. I just the Dodgers are the most intriguing team in baseball because um, they have more money than the Yankees. They have more money than everyone. They have more money than possibly every other like any two teams combined. But they're not using it like you would think of. Like they're not using it like Steinbrenner would use this kind of resources. They're not going out and selling David Price, and they're not giving Zach Greinke two hundred fifty million dollars. Instead, they're investing it in some really intriguing... First of all, they're signing every good executive they can get. They've gotten Andrew Friedman. They've gotten Farhan Zaidi, who was the A's new Wonder, like, Wonder King stats guy. And they just got... Um, 
Uh, I'm blanking out his name, the Blue Jays guy who mm-hmm. kind of got forced out by Mark Shapiro. Yeah. Alex Anthopoulos, that, yep. that's him. And then they're also using it in the international free agent market. They're taking advantage of some sort of less than strong rules out there to you know basically just have a few years where they bring in every talent available. They've given like $200 million yep. to Cuban free agents. It's just, and they've set up this insane amount of depth. So, yeah, it, I mean, to get back to the point, it's basically them versus the Giants with the Diamondbacks ready to crash the party. That seems to be how it's set up this year. Um, I'll give a slight edge to the Dodgers, uh, just because I usually value depth over your immediate star power. But, you know, any of those teams, I think, are decent enough. Less so with the Diamondbacks, but that's just because I kind of hate, hate, hate how they acquired Shelby Miller, and that they gave up... Uh, what was it? Ender and Ciarte, who I think, according to Baseball Reference War, was worth five wins or more than Shelby Miller last year. And they gave up five years of Ender and Ciarte for three years of Shelby Miller. They gave up Aaron Blair, who was a top 100 pitching prospect about to hit the majors. And they gave up Danby Swanson, who's the number one overall pick last year. So the, the Diamondbacks did something kind of admirable. They're, they decided to go for it. They decided to take a risk. But it's kind of like that... It's kind of like a guy proposing to his girlfriend at a baseball stadium or during a game. Because you're, you're taking a risk. You're doing something that most people should applaud. But, dear God, man, you are doing it in the stupidest possible way. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Kurt, on the NOS? I mean, Jack sums up pretty well. I mean, I could talk for days about the stupid moves that I'm like, the questionable returns they've gotten on their packages that are given up for some great prospects, but I mean, the, the team that they've assembled, in all fairness, is a pretty good team. I mean, they've got Paul Goldsmith, they've got AJ Pollock, that's one of the best one-two punches in baseball. Might be the best. Um, it might be, yeah, and then, I mean, they've got some, some nice arms in the rotation, obviously, by adding Grinky and, and getting Miller there, so I mean, they've, they've got a Playoff level team, a team that's capable of making the playoffs on paper. We'll see. We'll see how it translates. Uh, my money would—I don't know. I don't know. I might maybe put on the Dodgers, um, just because of the depth and the continuity that they have there. But then again, it's an even year. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, is there any God. faith in the even year Giants? God help us all. So you, you can't you can't really pick against that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure. They'll turn out the Giants may be in the near magic, you know, doesn't exist, and also Santa Claus isn't real, but, well. Well, until, until I see otherwise, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Where are those presents come from, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the NL Central, uh, we'll, Kurt, we'll get to the Brewers in a minute, because, I mean, I'm really eager to hear your thoughts on them. But, obviously, the talk of baseball right now, the clear World Series favorite by pretty much everybody right now is the Chicago Cubs ungodly great team with still a phenomenal farm system. Is there anyone that can stop the Cubs in the NL Central? Yes. Uh, yes, there are teams that can stop them. I don't know if they will. I mean, you look at that Cubs lineup, and oh my gosh, I don't think there's been a lineup that has been as good top to bottom. Yeah, they're going to platoon Kyle Schwarber and Jorge Soler. Like, they're platooning like those two guys. That's, that's where we're at right now. They're platooning Schwarber and Solaire. Yeah, like, like, let me just there run... Are, there are no holes. Let me run through the lineup real quick. You have Dexter Fowler, Ben Zobrist, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, 
probably Kyle Schwarber or Jorge, Jorge Soler. You got Jason yeah. Hayward who could hit like sixth or seventh in this lineup, which is this preposterous. You have Addison Russell who, um, well, he he didn't really he wasn't that great a hitter last year, but he's one of the great defensively, and he's a solid. I mean, for a shortstop, he's a solid hitting shortstop at yeah. this point and in he, his career. And he was one of the top prospects in baseball for a reason. There is room for that bat yep. to grow. Yep. And then so, they also got Miguel Montero. Yeah. However, I, I, I do want pitcher. Yeah, I do want to insert a pretty big caveat though. We thought pretty similar to this about the 2015 Nationals. Maybe maybe substitute that. lineup for rotation in terms of what we were all yeah. blow, like going crazy over. But shit happens I'll, in I'll, baseball. I'll take lineup over rotation though. I agree in with terms that. Terms of projection. But you know, you but, have, like John Lackey was has been a phenomenally consistent pitcher the last three years, but he's also 37 and you know. When you're 37 and the pitcher can fall apart pretty quickly, evidence Roy Halladay, and then you have John, like if John Lester or Jake Arrieta get hurt, you're suddenly looking at a low average rotation. So, yeah, the Cubs are definitely the best position to you know win the World Series, but there is so much bad stuff that could still happen in this team. We can't just be like, okay, so who are the Cubs playing the LCS right now? No, I agree. I mean, I I, I feel like they're almost a lock to make the playoffs, win 90 games. But, I mean, there really is no such thing in baseball. Um, but they're as close as there is this year. Yeah. And then, of course, with the, the way the baseball playoffs are, even if they get there, who knows what happens. It's... Yeah. Right. I mean, you could lose three or five games and your season's over. Well, yeah, well, if the Mets' rotation goes monstrous, shuts them down again, stuff happens. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, everybody that's, you know, when they won the NLDS last year is the whole back to the future and everything they seem to stop all. I mean, perhaps it wasn't shocking that the Mets won, but I don't think anybody saw the Mets sweeping them yeah. last year. And then um, I guess looking more around the Central, uh, the Cardinals are still the Cardinals, and we should all, we should all fear and hate them because um, they could still find a way to win this division, and then their fans are just going to be so unbearable to beat the, if they beat the Cubs. How, how did they win 100 games last year? Uh, I, really, I don't know. Pitching and Jason Hayward? Yeah, that's... They well they got they got they had so many injuries and, and Jason Hayward was good defensively but he didn't hit that well I mean they just had tons of guys come up and fill open spots yeah. and just perform exceptionally well as young players like Stephen Piscotty was very good yeah and they've Randall Grishuk too so you know Jason yeah. Hayward's a great player they might not even miss him like those two guys one of them could outperform Hayward conceivably yeah so I mean there you go <laughs> and then. I guess you want to get to the Brewers. Obviously, we know what's going on in Milwaukee. That farm system is getting really good. They're about four, three to four. I think I, 10 of their top 30 prospects I calculated could play this year on the Brewers. So they're only four to five years out from being a playoff team again, maybe. So, that, I mean, they've done this rebuild quickly, and they've done it pretty well so far. So I don't think they're going to be as bad as people expect this year. They're not going to win, you know, 85 games. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the mid-70s. Yeah. And also say, you know, never sleep on the Pirates nowadays. Mm-hmm. They've got some pretty, pretty good players. Um, but once again, it's probably not the caliber of the Cubs. But I'd say it's pretty much... It's number one Cubs right now, and then two A is Cardinals, two B is probably Pirates, and then you know Brewers, Reds are up yeah. there. There's a fair gap there, like there was yeah. last year. But now as a Brewers fan, that's pretty exciting to see what they've done with David Stearns, and I don't think Doug Milton's got enough credit for. I mean, he did some really good work towards the end of his tenure as GM. They went from 
think Keith Law's yeah. rankings last year, they were a bottom three farm system and now they're a top five, so it's been yeah, a, really it's, impressive. It's, it's been a very, very impressive I mean, they depleted everything for that 2011 run. They were, they were barren, and now they're top five, top ten. Yeah, and I guess there's there's something I want to say about you know re, this cycle of baseball we basically all talked ourselves into is how all the small market teams uh, can be good. It's you know by taking advantage of that cycle where you rebuild and then you mm-hmm. win, then you lose, yep. then you rebuild. Like that doesn't automatically work. In the end, you do need a good GM who can make the trades. There's a reason no one trusted Ruben Amaro or the Phillies to rebuild until they got rid of Ruben Amaro, who hilariously right now is the first base coach for the Red Sox. I just how do you, he went from GM to first base coach, which should tell you something about his tenure in Philly. You need a good GM to pull off the rebuild, and David Stearns has seemed to be pretty convincingly, you know, he's that guy who can do it. Certainly. Uh, so we've been through all the divisions. Now we can move on to let's do some award picks. Let's go MVPs and maybe Cy Young Award winners, though those are pretty tough to pick. Yeah. Um, I guess starting off with AL MVP, uh, I mentioned Correa back there as a candidate, and if, you know, the Astros run away with the West, and he's hitting, like, 300, if, like, 25 home runs and is playing his good defense, that's that's something. You always have to mention Trout, like, for everything. We have to mention for Cy Young, I think. I, I haven't checked the rules yet, but uh, I don't know. I'll go for the upset. I'll say Correa. You know, it's not, it wouldn't be the first, like, even if Trout, you know, is amazing, the Angels still probably aren't going to be that good, and we've definitely seen before that Mike Trout can lose MVPs that, you know, statistically he probably deserves, so I'll go with Correa just because I think, you know, when it comes down to it, it'll be much easier for us to talk ourselves into that as opposed to, you know, the best player in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm going to go with Mike Trout in the American League, but then again, the Angels might not be that good, which could hurt him yeah. in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, so, I mean, you went elsewhere. and yeah. I mean, the clear number three is Pablo Sandoval. We're in agreement, right? <laughs> Yeah, he w- he had a pretty quiet yeah. 300 hitting season last year. Yeah, so I mean, someone like that sliding in. Um, Clay is also a very a very very good pick uh, for that. So I'll go Trout though. Okay. All right. So how about NL MVP? Well, anyone who knows me knows the two names, the two glorious names I'm about to say, Bryce Harper, and um, I guess I just have I have to back that up, obviously. Because uh, you know Bryce Harper won it, I'm pretty sure unanimously. He better have run unanimously last year, and he had one of the best, defense, probably one of the best offensive seasons we've seen since peak Bonds. And just looking at what do you think the how he adjusted over his first four years in the league to get to that point, it's hard to see him suddenly falling off from that. Because when Harper came into the league, the book on him was basically low and away. Uh, any any breaking ball is a good pitch to throw. I mean, I remember there was a game against the Yankees where Andy Pettit basically just ate his soul, uh, you know, just breaking stuff all the way. He ended up with five strikeouts, and I'm pretty sure he snapped a bat over his knee. And now uh, Harper hits breaking balls and outside stuff better than any player in baseball. Like, you can check Brooks Baseball. He does this. It's monstrous. If anything, the book on him now is to throw fastballs inside. It's just, it's, it's kind of scary. He could, he could be better than last year. So I just I can't say no to that for an MVP. To play devil's advocate, I'm just going to go with Paul Goldschmidt. Totally fair. At Arizona, so he's been top three the last I think three years. So I'm going to take him. Yeah, and the Diamondbacks crash the playoffs. That's definitely a defensible yeah, I mean, pick to make. Yeah, I think Bryce Harper's going to be great, but yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty fair goldsmith with you. Because you know how those kind of voting goes. It's not always the best player. It's, you know, if there's a, there's a surprise team or a playoff team who's the best player on that team. And that certainly would fit the bill for Goldschmidt if the Diamondbacks make the playoffs. Yeah, I hate we have to approach this conversation this way. It's just be it's, the player who was most valuable to his team. Certainly. But I, we just got to be pragmatic here. Yeah, it's like talking RPI in college basketball. I don't like RPI, but to pretend that it's ir- irrelevant is stupid because the selection uh-huh. committee obviously cares about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, uh, A.L. Cyan. Hmm. Kurt, you want to take this one first? I, have, I still have to think. Um. My gut says Chris Archer. Well, that'd be that'd be pretty neat. Oh, Chris, Chris Archer. Hmm. I'll throw out probably David Price. You know, if the Red Sox turn around, then that's a pretty easy argument to make. Yeah. Um. I'll, my reasoning behind that is David Price is a good pitcher who will probably be on a good team, and I think that's good for winning a Cy Young. Not going to go into too <laughs> deep an analysis on that. Okay. How about the NL Cy Young? Well, we had the, the we had the Trout conversation with uh, AL MVP. We have to have the Kershaw conversation. Yeah, yeah. With, like, like as long as he's there, he has to be in the conversation. I can't go against Clayton Kershaw when picking Cy Young. Yeah, if we're picking, yeah, if we're picking the non-Kershaw uh, section, I really like Garrett Cole. I was gonna I, say the same thing. I really like Garrett Cole. Yeah, I think he gets strikeouts. He's gonna probably he's. He has, I think his mechanics are strong enough that he'll, you know, do two, two twenty innings no problem, and as, and he has a great defense behind him. So, I think right now Kershaw is my number one, Garrett Cole's my number two, maybe uh, one of the Mets or Nats guys, Strasburg, Scherzer, Syndergaard is kind of scary, um, Degrom, Harvey, like then I'll have some pretty good arms. Yep. But now that Mars good as Kershaw. Yeah, before we do a World Series picks, I'm going to ask you guys to make a, a bold prediction. It can be for a player, it can be for a team, anything along those lines. Oh, man. Uh, bold prediction, <laughs> Brewers win 80 games. Oh, oh man. Okay. <laughs> that is bold. Okay. I, I mean, I, I agree in here with you that I don't think there's going to be the total dumpster fire of a team that people say, but that's, that's pretty bold. Yeah, no, I'm very afraid of being wrong, so I'm now worried that my bold prediction is not going to be that bold. Um... I will, you know, I'll say Diamondbacks win 80 games. Because okay. I, I, I mentioned how I love the Dodgers because of their depth. I think depth is absolutely massive. I mean, look at the Dodgers right now. They just lost uh, Hyunjin Ryu and Brett Anderson for probably a combined five to seven months. And they just slot in Alex Wood and Mike Bolsminger, who were, you know, just fine the last couple of years. So, in the end, I, I don't like the Diamondbacks' depth, and I think trading away all that they have is really going to bite them. So, yeah, I'll say I don't think the Diamondbacks are going to be too good. So they get a, a one-game boost for all that work. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Also, that, that's bold, too. Yeah, you could say A.J. Pollock, Paul Goldschmidt, Zach Greinke all had career-best years last year. Maybe they'll regress a little. Yeah. I think that can yeah. happen. Yeah, I know that. I can see that. So uh, now we'll go on to the World Series pick. So the, your hypothetical World Series matchup and who wins. Um, I'm going to go Dodgers against Astros. Dodgers win. Okay. All right. Every fiber of my being tells me to be contrarian, but I, I mean, Cubs-Royals is right there to just, you know, press a button and 
I think some judgment eyes kind of pop up and look at me, but in the end they have to admit that those two teams are pretty good. I'll, I'll say Cubs Royals. I don't feel good about it. I, I think Kurt's prediction is really good too. I think Dodgers and Astros can definitely beat those two teams. And then, you know, Mets, you know, assuming they win the NL East, which I don't think is a certainty, but if they get in the playoffs, then that's pretty rough for whoever they have to play. But I'll, I'll say Cubs Royals. Who wins? The Cubs, they break the streak? I'll say it. And by the way, I don't care where I am. I'm going to Chicago if they make the World Series or are about to win. Uh, yes. That would be nuts. I mean, that will just be it. Yeah, it's just sheer insanity. I mean, you saw what they, what happened. Like, they had videos of people taking, well, videos of Wrigley Field from a mile away after they won the NLDS, and the place was just going insane. Yeah, no, this, if this happens, massive if, because baseball. Yeah. But if it happens, God help us. <laughs> For, like, multiple so, reasons, you know. I mean, yeah, that would definitely be one of the biggest yeah. sports stories of the decade. We could die because of crowd riots. We could die because guys apparently said, F it. You know, <laughs> everyone gets wherever they want now. <laughs> All right, well, I think that pretty much wraps up this very special edition of the Cardinals Own Podcast. Uh, many thanks to both Kurt and Jack for joining me today. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back next week with a regular version of the Cardinals Own Podcast. Thanks for listening.